we welcome you to the Truth Simply Put, our broadcast and teaching series at the Basilea Commission. You're about to receive God's unadulterated word, brought to you by Pastor Alexander Victor. Challenging, uplifting, and provoking you to new dimensions in your kingdom walk. And now, today's message. The Christ-conscious believer is mindful of and therefore subject to the ministry of the Holy Spirit, or for short, the ministry of the Holy Spirit in the life of a Christ-conscious believer. The Christ-conscious believer is one who is sensitive to the ministry of the Holy Spirit. So we're going to go straight in and continue um, uh, quickly tonight. Tonight. We thank you that the word comes forth accurately, comes forth with power. We thank you that the word comes not with the enticing words of men's wisdom, but with the accuracy and power of the Holy Spirit. We thank you that he does a work, a swift and quick work in us, aligning us in obedience to Christ and causing the fullness of his majesty to be unveiled in our lives. And we thank you and give you praise for it is in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. The Christ conscious believer part A, the Christ conscious believer is one who is mindful of and subject to the ministry of the Holy Spirit. I, 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 I said yesterday when I started this dimension of the teaching that it is by no means an exhaust. If I was, if I'm, and I, I think I will at, at the right time as the Lord leads me, I will do an exhaustive teaching on the ministry of the Holy Spirit and will break it down nitty gritty. But I have taken the liberties, especially um, with emphasis on our particular local church to, 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 for lack of a better word, assume or presume that there are certain elements of the gospel that you understand well enough now. And therefore, I can afford to go on and just make the points that need to be made um, in the context of this teaching, um, So, which means I'm not narrowing down as much as I usually would love to do when I'm teaching. I am just... Um, grazing the surface really, the peripherals of the understanding of the basic elements that make up what we're talking about. But if you look at the ministry of the Holy Spirit critically, you begin to look at the word ministry itself, which is the word diakono or diakonia, which means, which comes from to serve or to be of service to. And that's what we're looking at. Bear that in mind as we proceed, the ministry of the Holy Spirit. And then I said yesterday that the Holy Spirit is essentially the ever-present manifestation, right, of the presence of God. The ever-present, constant manifestation of the presence of God in the world, in the church, with emphasis on the believer. We talked about how everything, we said yesterday, that everything that God does in the earth, in the heavens, everything God does in time and eternity is a manifestation of his presence. If God did something, it was because his presence manifested. It was so that it would be made known that in this thing that has happened is the manifestation of God. Does that make sense? That's, that's and, 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 and therefore everything that happens on the earth gives God glory. Everything that happens on the earth is a, a representation of the manifestation of God. And the agent behind such manifestations is the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the manifestation of God. Anytime God does something, it was the Holy Spirit that facilitated, facilitated that. Every time God says something, the Holy Spirit undergirded that. Every time God uh, is seen or heard or felt or, or encountered, it is the ministry of the Holy Spirit at work in the earth, in the church, and particularly in the believer. That's essentially um, the Holy Spirit. And then we began to trace this particular submission about the, the, the manifestation of, of, of our stuff that happened in the earth being a manifestation of the presence of God. I remember taking time to explain three dimensions 
of the manifestation of his presence, right? The omnipresence, the um, manifest presence, and the indwelling presence, and how all of these are manifestations of the Holy Spirit. And, and we cannot afford to not pay attention to the ministry of the Holy Spirit. We cannot afford to not pay attention. We cannot afford to ignore or to recuse ourselves from the importance of the ministry of the Holy Spirit. It is everything in the life of the believer. The Holy Spirit is how you know Jesus. The Holy Spirit is how you see Christ. The Holy Spirit is how you know God. The Holy Spirit is how you function on the earth as a believer. The Holy Spirit is how you see. Again, I remind you of that teaching series one and two. You are what you see. He is how you see what you see. So his, his leading or the consciousness or awareness of the believer to the ministry of the Holy Spirit cannot be overemphasized. It cannot be overemphasized. And so we're going to go straight in today. Yeah. I went through a number of examples in the um, Old Testament showing you how the things that happened when when divine direction happened in the earth when consecration happened when there were manifestations of the supernatural when there were the miraculous workings of god you know when the the tabernacle of moses was being um, built you know when uh, um, the garments for the priest were being were being um, fabricated all of that stuff Hallelujah. So we saw a, a lot of stuff. We saw creation, the Holy Spirit are working creation. We saw um, designing the, the tabernacle. We saw the shadows of prophecy and the priesthood in Numbers 11 where the Spirit of God came upon them and they prophesied just once, you know, um, as a shadow of the priesthood of all believers and prophecy being the function of the ministry of the Holy Spirit. We saw him on the guiding word of utterance as well in Balaam, Balaam's third oracle in Numbers 24. We saw him in sound judgment in the place of Othniel who delivered the people and brought about sound judgment for them. We saw all of that, and then we saw him inspiring scriptures as well, right? Holy men, I like that. Second Peter chapter one, holy men moved of God. Holy men moved of God, spoke as they were inspired, you know. And then we now cross-reference that with Second Timothy chapter three and verse sixteen, where. Paul says to Timothy that, that all scripture is given by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit or is God breathe. And the word breathe is the word um, wind, is the word uh, essence, is the word life, is the word translated spirit. Pneuma or pneumatos or pneumatoizo. That's the, the, so all scripture is given by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. How did he inspire that? He inspired men. He moved men. Holy men moved by the Spirit wrote as they were inspired. That is very, very crucial. And then we began to explore that the Holy Spirit as well is involved in the redemption plan, right from the influence of the prophecy of Jesus. We saw that in Isaiah 42, right? Where it says that the spirit of holiness will come upon him. My spirit will come upon him. We saw that in Isaiah 42 verse 1, right through till 4. Um, and then we saw that in his birth as well, right? Luke chapter 1 and from verse 26 down, Gabriel is having a conversation with Mary and then, you know, he's, he tells her these wonderful things. You will give birth to his son. He will save his people from their sins. And she's like, okay, all of this is good and fine, but um, how will this happen? So, so Mary is like, how shall these things be seen as I know not a man? So the possibility of the prophecy was totally lost on Mary. And Gabriel replies her and says, the spirit of the Lord shall overshadow you. TPT, which is what Stephanie picked up, says the spirit of holiness. So the Holy Spirit is the spirit of holiness. He's not just the spirit that is holy. He's the spirit that is identified with holiness and therefore transmits that holiness upon anything and anyone that he comes about. And what does holiness mean? Holiness actually means to be set up apart from and to be set apart to and that's essentially what consecration is and so when when the spirit of god comes upon a thing or a person that thing is automatically set apart 
for a specific function, a specific use. And that's why he tells them when the Corinthian church is struggling with immorality as believers, he tells them, do you not know that your bodies are the spirit, are the temple of the spirit of God in whom he also dwells? Therefore glorify God with your bodies. Because when you are filled with the Holy Spirit, you are set apart. I've gone ahead of myself, but you are set apart from and you're set apart unto. So he tells, Gabriel tells Mary, the spirit of holiness shall overshadow you and the power of the most high shall come upon you and therefore the seed that you will give birth to shall be. So the Holy Spirit becomes then the possibility of the prophecy. So Mary received a prophecy. Of course, in the, in the eternal plan of God, a prophecy, let me put it this way. In the eternal plan of God, a, a prophecy is already fulfilled. It is in time that the word is coming forth about what has been done in eternity that is now being revealed to men in time with a particular time frame. Does that make sense? So it is not, it's not when it happens in time that it happened. Just like the Lamb of God was slain from the foundation of the earth. So when God is saying through the prophets and through the angels that he shall save his people from their sins. That was not when it happened. Are you following me? But that was when the prophecy began to be revealed to men so they can draw into the timeline of time what God has proposed because whatever God has proposed to do is as good as done. Whatever he has proposed to do is as good as done. So that prophecy comes therefore to add a timeline to what God in his eternal sovereignty has already brought to pass. So as far as God is concerned, Jesus has been born. Are you following me? The lamb has been slain. Do you understand? The, the child has been born. The son has been given. And all of that in the eternal plan of God has happened. The lamb has been slain. But in human terms, Mary could not see and therefore could not appreciate the possibility of God's plan or God's desire coming to pass and what does Gabriel tell her to address the answer or the question of, of possibility or the seeming challenge of impossibility he tells her the Holy Spirit so who is the possibility of prophecy the Holy Spirit who is the influencer of prophecy the Holy Spirit who is the who is the origin of prophecy? The Holy Spirit. We see that again in Second Peter, where it says, "Holy men, right, moved of the Holy Spirit, wrote as they were inspired." He is the inspiration of the Word. Jesus functioned by virtue of the Holy Spirit, and we'll see that in a short while in the course of this evening. So he says he becomes the possibility of prophecy. Not only is he the origin of prophecy, not only is he the executor of, of, of prophecy, he is the possibility. Of prophecy, he's the one that adds the possible in a, in a situation that is otherwise impossible. Now, notice we have said he, 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 he. We'll get to that in a minute if 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 we if we have the time, because the Holy Spirit is not a feeling. The Holy Spirit is not an emotion. So we must be careful as believers, particularly as Pentecostals and Charismatics, when we constantly, or Evangelicals, when we say, oh, I feel the Spirit. Oh, I feel the Spirit. Oh, he's moving. He's touching. So we, we can relegate him to goosebumps and goose pimples. You know what I mean? Oh, I feel. You will, not, you will not be sitting down, Stephanie sitting next to Barahat or, 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 or Caleb sitting next to Emma or Emma sitting next to Tega. And Tega will go, oh, I feel Emma. It would sound odd and weird, wouldn't it? It would sound very weird. But why do you do that to the Holy Spirit? Because we think he's not a tangible entity. But he's a, he's a person. He's a personality. Full God, Godhead. So we see that happening in that as well. Uh, and so therefore his birth was, 
was literally brought about, the birth of Jesus was literally brought about by the Holy Spirit. Let me put it in raw terms. The Holy Spirit impregnated Mary. Because she said the impossibility was, how can this be seen as I do not know a man? And Gabriel said, you don't need to know a man. The Holy Spirit will come and you will know him. And the word know, remember? And Adam knew his wife and she conceived. Mm-hmm. Hmm? And Isaac knew. The word knew. Know. There's a word yador in the, in the Hebrew, which means to have intimate fusion and knowledge with. So how can this be seen? I do not know a man. <laughs> you, know, you don't know to know a man. The Holy Spirit will come and you will know him. So the child Jesus born was born out of the possibility and ministry of the Holy Spirit. Can you see how crucial it is in all the elements of the Godhead? Whatever the Godhead does is executed by the Holy Spirit. See God's plan for the regeneration of the earth by virtue of the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Isaiah chapter 32. Isaiah 32 from verse 14 right through to 18. Isaiah 32 14 to 18. And the New King James says, Because the palaces will be forsaken, the bustling city will be deserted, the forts and towers will become liars forever, a joy of wild donkeys, a pasture of flocks. 15. Until. Until. Set a time frame. Can you see that? Until the Spirit is poured upon us from on high. And the wilderness becomes a fruitful field and the fruitful field is counted as a forest. And this is the prophecy of the redemptive plan. Who is behind it again? The Holy Spirit. The regeneration of the waste places. The rebuilding of the ruins, the ancient ruins. The, the causing of the latter house, the glory of the latter house to be greater than the former are all linked inextricably to the ministry of the Holy Spirit. And then we fast forward and we come to Acts chapter 2 and we see where Jesus had died and, 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 and the church is being birthed. Acts chapter 2 verse 1 to 4. That's Pentecost. Acts chapter 2 from verse 1 to 4. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Verse 3. Then there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire, and sat upon each of them. And they were filled with the Holy Spirit. So you see, the tongues of fire were not the Holy Spirit. Go back to verse 2. Verse 2. <laughs> and suddenly there came a sound from heaven, was the Holy Spirit in the sound? Or see the sound? A mighty rushing wind. The mighty rushing wind filled the house where they were sitting. They were not yet filled. Verse 3. They appeared to them, divided tongues, individual tongues of fire, and sat upon each one of them, still not filled. After all of this, they were filled with the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit is not doing wind in the sense of natural physical wind. He's not fire in the sense of physical, tangible fire. He's not sound in the sense of a loud, banging sound. 
that you think that if you do these things, you will trigger the Holy Spirit or that these things being present are indicators of the presence of the Holy Spirit. No. The Holy Spirit is a person. He has either entered you or he has not. So there can be fire on your head, fire on the mountain, fire in your house, fire in your life. Your life can be set on fire for him or against him. <laughs> there can be a sound all around you and in your meetings. And the Spirit of God is not there because the Spirit of God enters into, doesn't sit upon in this dispensation. In the old dispensation, as we saw last yesterday, you see that the Spirit of God was upon, right? Spirit of God was upon. 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 And in John 14, Jesus begins, begins to highlight how the Holy Spirit will come upon them. And in John 16, we'll come to that. He begins to show them why they need the Holy Spirit to come into them. And then in Acts chapter 2, we see where the, the Spirit of God does what? Feels them. The Spirit of God feels them. And you know, he promised them earlier that stay tarry in Jerusalem, chapter 1 of Acts, tarry in Jerusalem until you be endued with power from on high, for you shall receive power, dunamin, after that the Holy Spirit has come upon you. So who is the power of God? The Holy Spirit. We, we dealt with this in, I think, two parts of the teaching series, the Word, the Power, and the Believer. We dealt, it's all on pod being one finally listen to it. The Holy Spirit is the power of God as Jesus is the power of God, as the Word is the power of God. Who is the Word? Jesus. Who is Jesus? The Holy Spirit. Who is the Holy Spirit? God. Who is God? The Word. I, I love it. So he comes in and he feels them. And the feeling of the believer by the Holy Spirit of God is what validates the sonship of that believer. The infilling, you remember the third dimension of the manifestation of the presence of God, the indwelling, the infilling of the believer by the Holy Spirit is what validates the sonship of that believer. In other words, no Holy Spirit, no sonship. So you cannot be a successful believer in the absence of the infilling of the Holy Spirit. And that quickly throws a spanner in the works of those of you that believe that the Holy Spirit can leave a believer. Because if the Holy Spirit leaves a believer, the believer is lost forever. Immediately the Holy Spirit withdraws, the sonship of the believer is revoked. The sonship of the believer is revoked. Because he is the validation of the sonship of the believer. Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8 and verse 9. Romans chapter 8 and verse 9. But you are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If indeed the spirit of God dwells in you. See this next line in your Bible. If anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, he is not his. TPT. It couldn't be more clear. Romans 8, 9 in the TPT. But when the spirit of Christ empowers your life, you are not dominated by the flesh, but by the spirit. And if you are not joined to the spirit of the anointed one, you are not of him. Let's see how the message puts this. 
The infilling of the believer is the validation of his sonship in God. No infilling of the Holy Spirit, no sonship. Goes back to what Stephanie shared when we started, right? If you don't have the Holy Spirit, you can't be said to be a son of God. So if you got born again and you are waiting for the Holy Spirit, you, you didn't get born again. There's no authentication of your born again experience. Eight and nine of, of, of Romans in the message, but if God himself has taken up residence in your life, you can hardly be thinking more of yourself than of him. Anyone, of course, this is the message, anyone, of course, who has not welcomed this invisible but clearly present God, the spirit of Christ, wouldn't know what we are talking about. Of course, because he says in Corinthians that these things are spiritually discerned. The carnal mind cannot grasp the things of the spirit. No Holy Spirit, no believer. No Holy Spirit, no sonship. Because he validates the sonship of the believer. Very crucial. How does he validate the sonship of the believer? By, uh, I love systematic, so. By sealing the believer. Are you following the journey? This picture I'm painting. The Holy Spirit is behind the redemptive plan of God. The Holy Spirit gave birth or, or conceptualized Jesus, right? Conceived Jesus in the belly of Mary and gave him, brought him forth. And we'll come to how it actually groomed Jesus in his ministry and preparation and all of that. We'll come to, we'll come to that in, in a minute. Um, Maybe I should, maybe I should, okay, let, let me finish this. How does he, how does he validate? He seals our salvation. He is the signature of our salvation. He's the guarantee of our salvation. He's the affidavit of our salvation. Guarantee in the sense that, you know what, Lord, if, I know if you leave these people by themselves, they will, they will be hard pressed to finish this race. So I'm standing in on their behalf. Does that make sense? That's the word parakletos. I, I mentioned it yesterday, right? Alos parakletos. Parakletos means comforter, intercessor, mediator, help, counselor, teacher, and friend. Not just comforter in the sense of, oh, you were brokenhearted. Oh, Tega broke your heart. She left you. Oh, be comforted in Jesus' name. Because he's my comforter, Jesus is my comforter, Jesus is my comforter, I am not alone, I am not alone, my comforter. Paracletos, counselor, mediator, intercessor, teacher, friend. He's your interface. Between you and God. So you can come to the Father con con confidently by virtue of the help of the Holy Spirit. We can say to you, Sean, lead us in prayer. And you don't need to think. You don't need to rehearse. Because you have tapped into, you have connected with the consciousness of the availability of the Holy Spirit who is your teacher. Yes, sir. And all you need to do is yield to him and he teaches through you. Yes. Yield to him and he prays through you. We know not how to pray. As we ought. But who helps our infirmities? The Holy Spirit. He's a validation of your sonship by being the seal of your salvation. He's a validation of your sonship by being the authenticity of your salvation. He's a validation of your sonship by being the guarantee that you cannot fail. He's a guarantee of your sonship by being the deposit 
in your life for the day of redemption. So whenever that check is going to be cashed out and you're going to, the world is going to be called up, yonder, you are guaranteed to be there because of the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Ephesians 1.13. Ephesians 1.13, in him you also trusted after you heard the word of truth. What is the word of truth? The gospel of your salvation. In whom also, having believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. You were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. Why are you sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise? Why the Holy Spirit? 14. Who is the guarantee of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession to the praise of his glory? He's the guarantee of our inheritance. The Holy Spirit is a guarantee that eternal life is mine. Do you understand? He comes into me to guarantee that eternal life belongs to me. Did you see it in your Bible? Ephesians 1.14. Who is the guarantee? Please give us the TPT. Ephesians 1.14. Thank you, Holy Spirit. And because of him, 14. He, the Holy Spirit, is given to us like an engagement ring is given to a bride. As the first installment of what is coming. He is our hope promise of a future inheritance which seals us until we have all of redemption's promises and experience complete freedom. He is like an engagement ring that is given to the bride. Roll it again. Given to the bride as the first installment of what's coming. It's your guarantee. See, listen to me. You call me proud all you want. I cannot be lost. I cannot be damned. I cannot, if this, however you define hell, I cannot be found in it. Yes, sir. And it's not because of what I do or don't do. It's because of this magnanimous gift of God on my inside dwelling in me never to leave. Never to leave. He's the validation of your sonship by being the seal of your salvation and being the guarantee of your inheritance until the day of redemption of the purchased possession. Does, do you know what that means? The redemption of the purchased possession means that you have been, you know, we have, he purchased us with his own blood, right? He paid the price for our sins. Does that make sense? He saved us from the world. Is that, does, is that correct? But where are we at the moment? We are sat with him in heavenly places, but our human existence is where? In this world. We are saved from the world, but we are kept in the world and therefore it's his duty to preserve us in the world until the day he redeems us from the world. Until the day he redeems us from this, until the day that, as he puts it, immortality takes up mortality. Does that make sense? That is the day of the completion of the redemption of the purchased possession. So we have been purchased, we are his possession. It's like you go to a place and you, you bought a TV. Does that make sense? You bought, you bought a, a, let's say you bought a 120 inch TV, but you live in a very small six by six room. So you paid for the TV, but you need to create capacity. You have the, it's your TV. It belongs to you. You have paid for it. You have the receipt for it. But you say, you know what? Keep it here for me until I'm ready to come back for it. Does that make sense? So it is your possession. You have purchased it, but you have not yet redeemed it. Or you are doing contribution. 
You know, those, uh, those ones you pay 20,000 every month for 10 months. And then it's your turn. And, 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 but, and you know that you have 10 or few times, 20,000, 200,000, but you have not gone to redeem it. Or you win a lottery, you have a ticket, the numbers are called, you win the ticket. It's nine, I mean, some people have won some ridiculous things. Eh? It's 150 something million pounds. Hey. One million pounds is 480 million naira. 10 million pounds is 4.8 billion. My brother, 100 million pounds is 48 billion. Somebody will buy lottery ticket of two pounds and win 140 something million pounds. Most of them go crazy because they didn't imagine that kind of money coming. Now, so the winning ticket is, is, is called, you know that you have the thing, but then you have not gone to redeem what is yours. Does that make sense? Now, the guarantee that what has been purchased is more or less like having an insurance policy. Does that make sense? That if, some, if that shop owner's shop burns or is looted, your insurance policy guarantees that somebody will shall pay you for your TV. Do you understand? Yes, last, last, you will have your TV. So when you finish paying for it and you told the shop owner, but what guarantee do I have that my TV will be kept safe? And then he writes a, a, an undertaking yeah. and gives you and says, whenever you come, just show any of the boys in this place or show them the receipt and this note that is yours and you can take it whenever you want. So God did not leave the chance of sustaining your righteousness and your eternity to you. Yes, because if you leave you alone, you will destroy what Jesus did. I always tell my people, is it not you? Ah, you. <laughs> you like this. I said it last week or two weeks ago. Jesus will not have finished ascending. The smoke of the vehicle that took him up to heaven. You can still see this Helensa smoking. You have started doing nonsense. It's you. We said in our series, he swapped it, that the old nature is never far. The old nature is never far. So he looks at you and he knows that these people, these people, so he decides to not leave you alone. The Holy Spirit comes and seals you. So no matter how hard you want to try and spoil, you cannot succeed. Yes, sir. You can't, no matter how hard you want to try and drift, you cannot. Because he has sealed you. He has engaged you. He has betrothed you to himself by the ministry of the Holy Spirit. So again, you see preservation as a primary assignment of the Holy Spirit in the life of the believer. Sustenance. Guarantee that God's investment cannot go bad. It's like a hedge fund pro protected by an inestimable amount of cash. Does that make sense? You, what, you, what, what, what do you call it? Forex trading. You, you trade and you lose money. And as you lose $5,000, as you are about to cry, ah, I just lost a trade of $5,000, $50,000 enters your trading account that you didn't work for. Mm. And you instantly forget mm. that you just lost $5,000 in a trade because now you have $50,000. And then you trade again and you, you make $100,000. And then you know how you get more audacious. You now trade again. You now lose $100,000 and you're down to zero. But as the loss is going through and the money is leaving your, or crypto or Bitcoin is leaving you to credit the person who you lost to, a million is coming into your account. <laughs> so at, at no point in time are you at a disadvantage because you have an inexhaustible supply chain that guarantees your investment. Mm. 
That's who the Holy Spirit is to you. He's your inexhaustible source that there's no way you can go corrupt. There's no way you can go bad. The Holy Spirit is your fridge that never goes off because there's no light failure. There's no power cut. So you can put your soup inside the freezer and travel for six months. Travel for one year and know that what you have kept in that place is going to be preserved in the same quality as which you kept it because he preserves it. It's your guarantee. You don't have to, he's your electricity, he's your gen, he's your inverter, he's your cooling when you need cooling, he's your heating when you need heating, he's your corrector when you need correcting, he's your instructor when you need instructing, he's your, re your reprover when you need, he's your chastiser, when you, he's your encourager when you need it, he's your intermediate when you need it, he's your counselor when you need him, he's your help when you need him. Whatever it takes to get you to the presence of the Father when he comes to redeem the purchased possession, he is. He is. It's his ministry. It's his ministry. And you can't take it lightly because even Jesus, Jesus, this was how Jesus survived though. Jesus survived only by recourse to the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Jesus is born. He begins to grow. He shows up in Luke chapter 4 and verse 1. Luke chapter 4 and verse 1. I hope you guys are catching this. Luke chapter 4. Hallelujah. Luke chapter 4 and verse 1. <laughs> then Jesus, hmm? this is the beginning of the ministry of Jesus. Jesus being what? Filled with the Holy Spirit. The, Spirit of, the Holy Spirit was not upon Jesus. The Holy Spirit filled Jesus. Jesus, being filled with the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan. See that one, he was filled with the Holy Spirit. Returned from the Jordan and then was what? Led by the Spirit. Jesus didn't just get up and go. You know what? After all, I am Jesus the Son. I can do whatever I like. No, Jesus allowed himself, in fact, not just allowed, Jesus subjected himself to the infilling of the Holy Spirit and to the leading of the Holy Spirit. He returned filled with the Holy Spirit and then was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. Now we can induce from this text that Jesus' life was that of a constant leading of the Holy Spirit. Yes, Does that make sense? It could not have been a one-off yes, leading. Jesus lived a yielded life to the Holy Spirit. And then you that are here, I said to you yesterday, how do you think you can, how far do you think you can go? How much do you think you can achieve or attain if you neglect the ministry of the Holy Spirit that Jesus himself subjected himself to and could not have done anything without? He couldn't have done anything without. See Matthew chapter 12. Matthew 12, 15 to 21. Actually, let's, let's look at Luke 4.1 in the TPT. Let's look at Luke 4.1 in the TPT. It's just, from the moment of his baptism, Jesus was overflowing with the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. He was taken by the Spirit from the Jordan into the wilderness to experience the ordeal of testing. Matthew 12, 15 to 21. Matthew 12, 15 to 21. Jesus knew what they were thinking. Let's, let's, let's get the New King James first and then we'll come back to TPT. 
But when Jesus knew it, he withdrew from there. When Jesus knew it, he withdrew from there, 16. And great multitudes followed him and he healed them all, 16. Yet he warned them, great multitudes followed him, he healed them all, 16. Yet he warned them not to make him known that it might be fulfilled. See his life. That it might be fulfilled what, which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet saying, Behold, my servant whom I have chosen, my beloved in whom my soul is well pleased. I will put my spirit upon him. Remember this prophecy, Isaiah 42, yeah? And he will declare justice to the Gentiles. Keep going. He will not quarrel nor cry out, nor will anyone hear his voice in the streets. A bruised reed he will not break, and smoking flax he will not quench, till he sends forth justice in victory, and in his name the Gentiles will trust. So even in his commissioning, he was being guided by the Spirit. In his ministry, Jesus was led by the Spirit. In other words, let me put it this way so you can understand and remember it. The ministry of Jesus was essentially the ministry of the Holy Spirit using this body of Jesus. The ministry of Jesus was essentially the ministry of the Holy Spirit using or utilizing his body. You'll understand that now when we come to you and how, we, how when you now understand that when you're doing the work of ministry, is really you allowing the Holy Spirit to do the work of ministry using your body. Acts chapter 1, verse 1 to 3. Theophilus, according to Bible history, is some, some influential Greek um, aristocrat whom Luke, the doctor, physician, who was, who was a companion of Jesus and his disciples, and at another point, a companion of the apostles on their journey. Yeah, he, he, was a, he accompanied um, um, Paul on some of his journeys, having served and accompanied Jesus on some of his journeys as well. So he's the one who's writing this, this, this to, to Theophilus. So he writes Luke to Theophilus. He also writes Acts to Theophilus. Luke was written to one man. Acts was written to one man. Just like Philemon, Titus, Timothy were also written to individual guys, okay? So, Acts chapter 1 and verse 1, the former account, this is referring to the book of Luke or the letter of Luke. Does that make sense? A gospel of Luke. The former account I made, O Theophilus, in fact, switch to, to TPT. Let's just see how modern English puts this. To Theophilus, the lover of God, I write you again. Can you see that? My dear friends, to give you further details about the life of our Lord Jesus Christ and all the things that he did and taught. Go back to verse one in the New King James. The former account I made, O Theophilus. Yeah? Former account I made, O Theophilus. Let me, just give me a second. Go to Luke chapter one. This might just help somebody. Because it's important to not rush over these things. Luke chapter 1, verse 1. Inasmuch as many have taken in hand to set in order a narrative of those things which have been fulfilled among us, this is Luke writing, just as those who from the beginning were eyewitnesses and ministers of the word delivered them to us. Keep going. It seemed good to me also, that is Luke. It seemed good to me also, having had perfect understanding of all things from the very first, all things pertaining to Jesus, okay? Not all things as in all things. Context, all things pertaining to Jesus. From the very first, to write to you an orderly account, most excellent who? Theophilus. Can you see that? 
Why? Verse 4, that you may know the certainty of those things in which you were instructed. Verse 3 in the TPT. Dear friend, I'm writing you, mighty lover of, yeah, go on, of God, an utterly account of what Jesus, the anointed one, accomplished and fulfilled among us. Several eyewitnesses, eyewitness biographies have already been written, using as their source material, using as a source material, the good news preached among us by his early disciples. We'll come to this one day. But, go on, early disciples, yeah, who became loving servants of the living expression. But now... I am passing on to you this accurate compilation of my own meticulous investigation based on numerous eyewitness interviews and thorough research of the story of his life. It is appropriate for me to write this for he also appeared to me so that I would reassure you beyond any shadow of doubt the reliability of all you have been taught of him. That's, that's his account to Theophilus. In, in the New King James, his name is actually mentioned. Oh, excellent Theophilus. So you understand that now. So when Acts chapter 1 verse 1 now comes and says, Acts chapter 1 verse 1 now comes and says, these things I write to you of the former account I made. Do you understand it now? Former account referring to the gospel according to Luke. Oh, Theophilus, of all that Jesus began both to do and teach until the day in which he was taken up after he through the Holy Spirit had given commandments to the apostles whom he had chosen. Keep going. To whom he also presented himself alive after his suffering by many infallible proofs. Verse 2 is my emphasis. You see Jesus has resurrected, done his thing, but the day he was taken up, verse 2, until the day he was taken up, he through the Holy Spirit the resurrected Jesus was still functioning through the Holy Spirit. TPT, Acts 1 and 2. Acts 1 and 2. Just before he ascended into heaven, he left instructions for the apostles he had chosen by the Holy Spirit. <laughs> by the Holy Spirit. By the Holy Spirit. His ascension, of course, came how? After his resurrection, right? Yeah. How did his resurrection come about? By the Holy Spirit. Romans chapter 8 and verse 11. Indispensable representation of God in man. But if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you. That's what I'm interested in. <laughs> TPT. Yes, God raised Jesus to life. And since God's spirit of resurrection lives in you. So when Jesus said in John 11, at the tomb of Lazarus or in Bethany, I am, and I said this a few weeks ago, the resurrection and the life. What was he leveraging? The Holy Spirit. Because who is the spirit of resurrection? The Holy Spirit. Romans 8, 11. If the spirit of him who raised up Christ from the dead. Who raised up Christ from the dead? The Holy Spirit. Because he is the spirit of resurrection. The TPT says, if that spirit of resurrection lives in you, he will also raise your dying body to life by the same spirit that breathed life into you. So how was Jesus raised from the dead? By the Holy Spirit. 
Who is the raising of Jesus from the dead? The Holy Spirit. So you see why he didn't mess with the Holy Spirit? Yeah. And see why you can't afford to mess with the Holy Spirit? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. A believer cannot afford to say, something told me. My conscience was telling me that. You know, uh, you hear believers now say stuff like, oh, um, one mind was now telling me like this. And then another mind, only you. Another mind now told me this one. While I was even trying to figure out which of these two minds, I now had another mind now told me that other one. When Paul makes clear, let this mind, one, which was in Christ Jesus, be in you. Period. You cannot afford to be without the ministry of the Holy Spirit. You cannot. You cannot. He was resurrected by the Holy Spirit. We will receive resurrection from the dead by the Holy Spirit. Mortality shall take on immortality by the Holy Spirit. By the Holy Spirit. Everything about Jesus was the Holy Spirit. Then Jesus starts to talk about the importance of this Holy Spirit coming into us because it turns out as we see clearly from scripture, this Holy Spirit is the only reason Jesus could function. So to accept the finished work of Christ, to accept everything Jesus has enacted for us that has paid for our redemption, sanctification, righteousness, and justification is to come into conscious awareness of the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Because all of that was done by the possibility that is the Holy Spirit. All of that was done by the power that is. Oh, oh Acts 10, 32. I would like to see that in the TPT or the NLT, but I read it in the New King James. Acts chapter 10, verse 32. Peter's, Peter is, is, is teaching in Colinius' house, yeah? And in 38, let's go to 38, go to 38. In 38, Peter says, how God, Theos, anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. Jesus was not anointed with oil. Yes, sir. Because the oil is not the anointing. It just makes you greasy, easy to catch fire, and difficult to catch if we're chasing you when you're running. <laughs> Did you hear what I said? You're running, you're running, you're running, and trying to catch you. You sleep. Good, good purpose of anointing oil. You're running past where they're frying a car. You're not careful. You're coming from anointing, anointing service. This is how you can catch fire and become spontaneous combustion. At best, you lubricate yourself. What do you call it? You, you, yes, you moisturize yourself. Can dunk you in a drum of anointing oil. Doesn't transfer the spirit into you. He's moved on from types and shadows. Tell yourself and your neighbor, he's moved on from types and shadows. He's moved on from types and shadows. Anointing oil has never transmitted the Holy Spirit. If it did, if it has, it would have come on Jesus at least once. At least once. 
would have come on Jesus. But when it was time to anoint Jesus, God sent a person into him. Not a thing. Not liquid. Not a mantle. Not water. Not sand. Not salt. When it was time for Jesus to do ministry, power came by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the anointing. First John chapter 2. Let's go there. Why did I even enter this one? Who sent me here? Holy Spirit is you. <laughs> First John chapter 2. Because I've just touched something that will offend some people if they don't see scripture. First John chapter 2. Thank you, Father. First John chapter 2. Verse 20. First John chapter 2 verse 20. First John chapter 2 verse 20. Thank you. 1 John 2, 20. But you have an anointing from the Holy One and you know all things. I've never seen this in the, in the, in the TPT. But the Holy One has anointed you and you all know the truth. Now see verse 27. The, the wonderful anointing TPT says you have received from God is much greater than their deception. And now, this anointing I've received now oh, lives yes, in you. Yes, There's no need for anyone to keep teaching you. Now, this, con uh, I don't know why. This, the context of this is not that, ah, I'm anointed. Oh, nobody can teach me anything. No, this was in context to people that were deceiving the church. There's a pretext. It's not what I'm focusing on at this point in time. But there's a pretext. The pretext is in verse 26. Let me just point this out. Before somebody gets, gets up and goes, nah, you know what? After all, I have the Holy Spirit. Nobody can teach me anything. Yeah. No. 26. I've written these things about those who are attempting to lead you astray. Do you understand the context now? 27. But the wonderful anointing you have received teaches you. So you don't need these people that are trying to teach you astray, to lead you astray, to teach you nonsense. Teacher, don't teach me nonsense. Teacher, don't touch me nonsense. I have the Holy Spirit. He can teach me all sense. <laughs> you get it? The Holy Spirit lives in you. So how did God anoint Jesus? By sending the Holy Spirit into him. Acts 10.38. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit. Poured out the Holy Spirit. That's why every son of God is anointed. How do we know that? Peter stood there in Acts chapter 2, the first message at Pentecost, and he quotes Joel's gospel that says, In the last days, I will pour out my spirit upon who? All flesh. And because of that, your sons and daughters will prophesy. As we saw in Numbers 24, right? Yes, when Paul, yeah, Moses took of the, of, the, of the Holy Spirit upon him, God took of the Spirit upon him and put upon the 70 plus two who were not even in the tent. Yes, sir. And they prophesied, but they never did again because that was a type and shadow of what was to come in the day that the Spirit of God would come upon all flesh. And Moses, the, 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 the people ran to, to Moses and said, Moses, stop them from prophesying. Moses said, no, 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 no. I wish that all of God's people are prophets and I wish that all of them will prophesy. That was showing you what will happen when Jesus comes. That was showing you what will happen when the Holy Spirit is poured upon all flesh and we don't need a specific 
cut out ministry of a prophet because all sons and daughters of God can prophesy. Prophecy becomes a gift in the New Testament as opposed to an office in the Old Testament. So what's the qualification to prophesy? Be filled with the Holy Spirit. What's the qualification to raise the dead? Be filled with the Holy Spirit. What's the qualification to raise the, to heal the sick? Be filled with the Holy Spirit. What's the, what's the qualification to set at liberty those who are brokenhearted? Be filled with the Holy Spirit. What's the qualification to cast out devils? Be filled with the Holy Spirit. What's the qualification to never be confused another day in your life? Be filled with the Holy Spirit. What's the qualification to excel where everybody else is failing? Be filled with the Holy Spirit. What's the qualification to receive direction where everybody else around your job is stumbling for where to go? Be filled with the Holy Spirit. God preempted everything you will need and packaged it in the ministry of the Holy Spirit. If you receive the anointing of God, He dwells in you. He dwells in you. How God anointed Jesus Christ of now. With the Holy Spirit and with power, who went about doing good for God was with him. <laughs> Did you see that? Yes, sir. Are you sure you saw that? Yes. Went about doing good and, and healing those who were oppressed by the devil. For God was with him. How was God with him? How was God with Jesus? The Holy Spirit inside Jesus was God with him. So what is the anointing really? The anointing equals God with you. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. The anointing equals God with you because of Holy Spirit inside you. That's the ministry of the Holy Spirit. So you cannot be mindful of all Jesus has done and not deal directly and consciously with the Holy Spirit. Why? And this is where I begin to bring it home. Because the ultimate ministry I've said one of his primary functions. I've said the primary thing. I've said one of the things he does. But the ultimate ministry of the Holy Spirit is to reveal Christ in the believer. The ultimate ministry of the Holy Spirit is the revelation of Christ, the revelation of Jesus in the believer. John chapter 16. Somebody put up and said, uh, as an explanation, people say they know that the oil is not the Holy Spirit, but it's a medium of transmission. I'm sure I've answered that already because yes, you can hear the nonsense in that statement. Yes, sir. Because if your Holy Spirit who is, trans, is, is transient lives inside of you, why does he need a transmission of an external medium to come upon you or inside you? The Holy Spirit is holy. The Spirit of God that something is holy is that that thing is consecrated. Watch me, right? Set apart from and set apart to. So who, who, who consecrates a thing or a person or a place? The Holy Spirit. So now the Holy Spirit, who consecrates things, people, and places, now has to be activated by something that he consecrated. <laughs> I consecrate this oil, I consecrate this oil so that by the transmission of this oil, the Holy Spirit cannot pass into you. When he, the Holy Spirit, is the spirit of consecration himself and he dwells in you, you then need a medium because the church has gotten used to witchcraft 
what you cannot see. You don't believe. Jesus told Thomas, he said, ah, you, you can see now. That's why you believe. And he chided him and he said, blessed are those that do not see and yet believe. I've said this over and over. The reason why we are caught up in witchcraft in the church is because we want something to hold. The people that go to the native doctor, he gives them a charm. He gives them a bead to wear on their arm. He cuts an incision in their body and rubs something there. They can always see the incision and remind themselves that nothing you can do can happen to me. He gives them a pot to bury somewhere, under a tree, in the back of somewhere, in the front of somewhere. He gives them powder to rub on their face in the morning. They are always tangible stuff given to you. And then you come and believe, I will tell you, you don't need anything. Just believe that Christ in you. You're like, ah. No, 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 no. Give me something I can hold. Give me something I can see. So we too now, to stay in business, we have to start giving you something you can see. We start giving you something you can hold, you know? Mantu, salt, sand, cutlass, stone, oh yeah, and stuff. Because you too, when people are displaying what they, that's why a Christian is praying, or you see like in Nigerian movies, you know, when I carry his Bible. Yeah, because the Bible is what? Because the Bible is what? Colossians 2, Paul takes his time to deal with the fact that you should not be caught up in types and shadows when the substance is here. They did, if, you are using, if you are doing that as a medium, you might as well still be killing animals and be saying that you are using it as a medium to show that the blood of Jesus paid for our sins. Yes, sir. You might as well. You might as well. Oh, we know that Jesus has paid for our sins. We know that his blood was shed, but we cannot see his blood. So let us, every Easter, let us also kill a, a goat or a lamb boy and let us shed the blood. Over all those things, animals, sacrifices were all types and shadows. The substance is here. I've said it over and over. Jesus is the end of types and shadows. He's the end of mysteries. He's the substance. He is the substance. And that substance is brought alive in your life by the ministry of the Holy Spirit, the anointing of God, the possibility of God. Hope I've addressed that sufficiently. I'll, let me go back to what I'm saying. The ultimate ministry of the Holy Spirit is the revelation of Jesus. To reveal Christ, not just to you. Jesus revealed Jesus, the kingdom, the gospel, to you because he was with you. The Holy Spirit reveals Jesus in you because he is now inside you. It's not revealing to as coming from without you. It's being revealed in you. Hence, out of your belly shall flow rivers of living water. And water is significant or symbolic of the Holy Spirit. His ultimate ministry is to reveal Jesus in the believer. So that the believer begins to become the Jesus that he's coming into inward witness of. In other words, the Holy Spirit is the inward witness of Jesus in the believer. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. The inward witness of Jesus. John chapter 16. Oh, I love that text. John chapter 16. John 16. We'll go from verse 12. John 16, 12. New King James, and then we'll take the TPT. 
Jesus speaking to his disciples tells them, I, I still have many things to say to you. I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. However, when he, the spirit of truth has come, the spirit of truth is he, yes, a person. He will guide you into all truth. Listen carefully now. For he will not speak on his own authority. The Holy Spirit will not speak on his own authority. But whatever he hears, he will speak. And he will tell you things to come. He will glorify Jesus. He will glorify me, right? For he will take, oh my God, man. He will take of what is mine and declare it to you. 15. All the things that the father has are mine, the son says. Therefore, I said that he will take of mine and declare it to you. Ah, father, open the eyes of our understanding to, God, to get this. Let's go back again to verse 12 in the, in the Passion Translation. Woo! There's so much I would like to say to you, but it's more than you can grasp at this moment. But when the truth-giving spirit comes, when the truth-giving spirit comes, he will unveil the reality of every truth. Where? Within you. Within you. He won't speak on his own, but only what he hears from the Father. He will reveal prophetically to you what is to come, 14. He will glorify me on the earth for he will receive from me what is mine and reveal it to you, 15. Everything that belongs to the Father belongs to me. That's why I say that the divine encourager, Parakletos, will receive what is mine and reveal it to you. Now, I mean, I hope that you are catching what I'm catching because Jesus returned, Luke 4, 1, in the power of the Holy Ghost, right? Jesus was conceived, Luke chapter 1, by the power of the Holy Ghost. Jesus was anointed, Acts chapter 10, gives us the record in 38, by the Holy Ghost. Such that what Jesus did, he could not have done outside the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Now Jesus is telling us that this same Holy Spirit that he, Jesus, lived by, this same Holy Spirit that he was born by, this same Holy Spirit that he functioned by, is coming and has nothing to say except Jesus. Oh, did you get what I just said? That's why I said over and over, over and over, that Jesus is all God has to say. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Christ is all. Look at it. The Spirit gave birth to Jesus. Hmm? Spirit raised Jesus. Spirit led Jesus. Spirit validated Jesus. Spirit raised up Jesus from the dead. Spirit influenced what Jesus said to his disciples, right? Before he ascended. Yeah. Did we see that? Yeah. He spoke to them by the Holy Spirit, yes. Acts chapter 2. Yes, that same Spirit Jesus is telling us now in John 16 is going to come to you. And that when that spirit comes, all he has to tell you is this. He helped give birth to me. 
He helped raise me. He led me. He instructed me. He empowered me. He anointed me. He governed me. He raised me to life. He gave me utterance so that when he enters you, all he has to tell you is me. The Holy Spirit has nothing to say except me. Therefore, any spirit that glorifies any function of divinity outside Jesus is antichrist. Yes, sir. Worship Jesus for the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. In other words, if there, if there is prophecy happening anywhere by the spirit of God, the proclamation of the prophecy is Jesus. Not that you are going to die on the 19th of November. Go and prepare your burial ground. That's not the spirit of Jesus. Yes, sir. That is not, not the spirit of God. That, that is not, not the testimony of Jesus. Not, I see a pot buried in your village. It's not the spirit of God. Not, it's not the testimony of Jesus. You know why? 1 Corinthians 14 verse 1. This will help somebody. 1 Corinthians 14, 14 1. Pursue love and desire spiritual gifts, but especially that you may prophesy. Who is Paul telling this? School of prophets? Prophetic conference? Who is he telling? The entire Corinthian church. For he who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men, but to God. For no one understands him. However, in the spirit, he speaks mysteries. But he who prophesies speaks what? Edification and exhortation and comfort. In other words, if prophecy... New Testament prophecy is not edification, exhortation, and comfort. You are a familiar spirit. Shut your mouth. Yes. It's a familiar spirit. Shut it up. Because it will, oikodomo, it will build, it, it's an architectural term. It will build the awareness of Christ in the believer. Edify them. And what edifies you? The word of his grace. I commend you to God and the word of his grace, which is able to do what? Build you up and give you an inheritance among those who are sanctified. So what builds you up? The word of his grace. Whose grace? Paul answers that. You don't have to start thinking about it like a jam question. Paul answers that to the same Corinthians in his greeting at the end when he says, Now may the grace of our... <laughs> so when Paul says, I commend you to God and the word of his grace, whose grace? Jesus Christ. The, the law was given through Moses, John 1, but grace and truth came through him. Do, do, do you get it? So the grace of, the grace of who? The Lord Jesus Christ. So when you're edifying, if Paul says, I commend you to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up, that's the word edify. Edify or ekodomo to build you up, to, to build you, to construct you. What constructs the believer? The word of his grace. Receive therefore the engrafted word with meekness, which is able to build you up. The word builds. So according to that understanding, if we come to 1 Corinthians 14 and 3 that says that he that prophesies, prophesies for what? Edification. What is edification? The hearing of the gospel of grace. So prophecy releases the gospel of grace to edify its listeners. Who is the gospel of grace? Jesus. What is the end result of prophecy? Jesus. If you prophesy, you are declaring Christ for edification. Edify. Only the word of his grace can edify. And for exhortation and for comfort. Comfort not in the sense of, hey, yeah, something is going to happen to you. Something is going to happen to, oh, sorry, you lost a loved one. No, comfort as in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. Where, the, oh, let's go there. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. You see what the concept, the context of comfort. You see it now in 1 
First, first Thessalonians chapter four. First Thessalonians chapter four, verse from verse 13. I have to be quick with this. First Thessalonians four and verse 13. But I do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning those who have fallen asleep, lest your sorrow as others who have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring with him those who sleep in Jesus. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will by no means precede those who are asleep. For the Lord himself, see the good news, will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, and with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and thus we shall always be with the Lord. 18. Therefore... Comfort one another with these words. The, the ministry, the message of comfort is the message of Christ. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Go to chapter 5. Chapter 5, concerning that verse 1. Concerning the times and seasons, brethren. You have no need that I should write to you. For you yourselves know perfectly the day of the Lord comes like a thief in the night. You remember that scripture? <laughs> Verse 3, for when they say peace and safety, then sudden destruction comes upon them as labor pains upon a pregnant woman and they shall not escape. But you, brethren, are not in darkness. You, brethren, are not in darkness. You, brethren, are not in darkness. You, brethren, are not in darkness so that this day should overtake you as a thief. You are all sons of light and sons of the day. Therefore, let us not sleep as others do, but let us watch and be sober. For those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who get drunk are drunk at night. But let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love, and as a helmet of salvation, as, as a helmet, the hope of salvation. For God did not appoint us to wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. 10. Who died for us? That whether we wake or we sleep, yes, we should live together with him. Verse 12. Therefore, on account of this, comfort each other and see that other word. Edify one another. Have you seen it? So what is the message of comfort? Christ, the gospel and our eternal security in him. Whether we sleep or whether we wake. 1 Thessalonians chapter 14, verse 3. 1 Corinthians, I beg your pardon, 14 and 3. 1 Corinthians 14 and 3. Go back to that text. But he who prophesies, speaks what? Edification and exhortation and comfort. What is the sum total of edification, Christ. exhortation and comfort? Christ. Christ. The spirit of of the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. Where there is prophecy, the express pointer is Christ. How? By the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Go and see in the New Testament, even in the Old Testament, the Spirit of God came upon Saul, he prophesied. Came upon the 70, they prophesied. Prophecy is an outflow, not of training, but of the ministry of the Holy Spirit. In other words, once you become conscious in your spirit that as, as, as one who carries the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, I can prophesy. Yes, sir. Paul does not tell them, pray for the, for, the, for the best gift. He didn't tell them, sow seed for the best gift. He didn't tell them, tap 
tap into the anointing for the best gift. He said, covet. Desire the gift. How do you desire? By being conscious of the fact that the outworker of those gifts is resident inside you. And so he tells Timothy, stir up, stir up, stir up, stir up the gift. Stir it up. Stir it up. The ultimate ministry of the Holy Spirit is the revelation of Jesus in the believer. Ultimate. So all that he did in the ministry of Jesus, all that he did in the conception of Jesus, all that he did in the resurrection of Jesus was to bring us to the point where we receive him and we receive all that is Jesus in him. And then there's a question, ah, but, but, ah, but Jesus, it was anointing, this Jesus, Holy Spirit anointing that worked, helped you to do stuff. He did what you did by the anointing. So how, you, how would you now say that he would take your, what is yours and give to us when it looks like it is even you, Jesus, that have been taking what is his and, and, and operating by and Jesus answers and says, ah, you get it wrong. All that is my father's is mine. So when Holy Spirit was taking from God to give me to function, he was taking God to give God. He was taking invisible God. Are you following me? To give incarnate God. He was taking unapproachable God to give to son of man God. So what, what spoil? What spoil? So that, do you understand? John 16, 15. With this understanding, look at it again. John 16, 15. All things that the Father has are mine. Do you understand? That's why I said that he will take of mine and declare to you. He will take of the Father and declare to you. Because what is the Father? Christ. What does God have to say? Christ. Yes, sir. Revelation of Jesus. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. That's his ministry. So there's, if you're operating by a Holy Spirit that is not revealing Jesus to you, you are possessed by Father. If he's not revealing Jesus to you, if the, the Holy Spirit you're working with that is constantly drawing you to legalism and law and religion, it's not the spirit of holiness. It's not. Because the Holy Spirit, the spirit of holiness, the spirit of truth. Who is truth? Christ. Oh my, Adako. Do you understand? Because go back to John 16, 12 now. See for yourself, people. Let us reason this thing together. John 16, 12. It's not preaching. I'm teaching. I have many things to tell you, but you cannot bear them. Now, keep going. However, when he, the spirit of truth has come. He's the spirit of truth. Yes, sir. Who is truth? John 17, 17. Let's reason it together. John 17, 17. John 17, 17, Jesus is praying for his disciples and he says to them, sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. In Hebrews, he said that he might watch them with the regeneration of the water and the word. Who is the word? Truth. John 14, 6, Jesus himself declaring openly, not in hiding. Jesus said to him, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. Sanctify them by thy truth. Thy word is truth. Who is the word? In the beginning was the word. All things were made by him. Without him was nothing made that was made. 14. Then the word became flesh. Who is the word? Jesus. Who is the truth? The word. Who is the word? Jesus. Who is the truth? Jesus. Jesus. It's clear. He is truth. He is truth. 
And that's what the Holy Spirit does. So when he, the Spirit of Truth, comes, the Spirit, who is the Spirit of Truth? The Spirit of Truth is the Spirit of Jesus. Because Jesus is truth. Yes, sir. He is truth. So when, tell, when Jesus tells her in, 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 in John chapter 4, he says the time is coming and now is when they worship the Father, was worship the Father in spirit and in truth. In other words, they must, they must have to come into, into me to worship the Father. And that highlights Jesus as both the spirit, the truth, the way. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Because no one comes to me except my father draws him. Yes, sir. John 10. And no one comes to the father except through me. Yes, sir. <laughs> you have to, the only way to worship God acceptably is through me. Because Jesus is God's terms. Yes. He's revealer of Jesus. He take of Jesus and show in you. And the moment you, Jesus is revealed in you, you begin to enjoy the help ministry of the Holy Ghost. The paracletos ministry of the Holy Ghost. John chapter 14 and verse 16. John 14, 16. John 14, 16. I'm going to finish this tonight. John 14, 16. And I, I will pray the Father, Jesus is telling them. I will pray the Father... And he will give you a los paracletos, another helper. I explained to you yesterday that there's two words for another in the Greek. There is a los and there is heteros. Heteros is the one from which you get the word heterosexual. Differentiating man from woman, male from female, heterosexual. Homo is the word from the Greek word that means of the same, hence homo sapien, same species, coming of homosexual, two people attracted to, of the same gender, right? Heteros means another of a different kind, man and woman. Make sense? Ish and Isha. Mm -hmm. Jesus could have easily said there, heteros parakletos. And that would have suggested a parakletos, a comforter, a helper, Totally different from Jesus. In fact, totally opposite to Jesus. But Jesus uses the word alos parakletos. Alos is what another, but another of the exact same substance. So when you see another in English, please read again. He didn't say another as in a totally different kind of helper. Mm -mm. Alos. Same substance, a loss paracletos. In other words, this helper that is coming to live in you is the exact helper that has been with you. Do you understand? So Emmanuel has to go because Emmanuel was God with us so that paracletos can come. Because that is God in us. So I've helped you so far. I've taught you so far. But the things I want to tell you, after now, you cannot handle it. In other words, God with us will not, you can, it will not prosper you beyond this point. There are things that you cannot handle if I'm just with you. So I have to go. And when I go, I'm coming back in you. So I'm ditching this body because now that you are justified, I am not going to need my body anymore. I am going to use your body. Do you not know that your bodies are the what? Temple. 
of who? In whom he also now dwells. So the Holy Spirit is Jesus, God the Father, without a body that is now resident in me, in my body. It's now God in a body. Do you understand? So Jesus is going with the body. I, I, I make sense? Stay with me. He's going with the body and then he's coming back inside your own body. So now you are Christ Jesus. Stay with me now. Holy Spirit, help me. The word became flesh. Means Christ. Eh? Are you following me? The word became flesh. Means Christ became Jesus. You shall give birth to a son and shall call his name what? Jesus. Right? But before Jesus, there was Christ. Because the same was in the beginning with God. Talk to me now. So there was pre-incarnate Jesus. There was Christ, the son of God. Right? So the word becoming flesh was Christ becoming Jesus. So now Jesus goes away in that body of Jesus. Make sense? And Christ returns into your body. So now you are the Jesus containing Christ. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. <coughs> yes, sir. You are the son of man. You are the Jesus containing Christ, Christ in the person of the Holy Spirit. Yes, sir. Holy Spirit is God, Jesus, God, Christ without the body of Jesus. Why do, why, what's happened to his body? His body has gone because now that he's brought sons into glory, he has so many bodies he can walk through. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, but sir. being on the earth, he's confined to one body. Yes, sir. The body of Jesus. Mm-hmm. Do you understand? Yes. So he sheds that body and draws in the body of Christ. Christ. So the church is now the body of Christ. Christ dwells in your body. And therefore you now, this body, you have become Jesus, carrying Christ. You are now Jesus Christ Mm -hmm. in the earth. By the instrumentality of the ministry of the Holy Spirit. He becomes your help. The way he helped Jesus, he becomes your help. John 14, 16. Let's let's, 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 Let's go there and move on so we can finish this. John 14, 16. And I will pray the Father and he will give you, do you understand it now? Allah's palakretos, another helper. That he may abide with you, go on, forever. The spirit of truth, can you see that again? Whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him for he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you orphans. I will come to you. A little while longer and the world will see me no more. That's Jesus. Mm-hmm. Mm? But you will see me. How will you see me? In you. Because I live, you will live also. Keep going. At that day, you will know that I am in my father and you are in me and I am in you. 
<laughs> Jesus is in the Father. You are in Jesus and Jesus is in you. So you are in the Father and the Father is in you. And what is, or who is the facilitator of these dynamics? Pneumatos, parakletos. The Holy Spirit. Don't mess with him. So you see why Paul t tells the, the churches, don't grieve the Holy Spirit. Don't. The Holy Spirit begins to help you. Now that he's revealing Christ in you. Revealing the mind of the Father in you. 1 Corinthians 2, right? Remember? I has not seen. He has not heard. He that has come into the mind of man, what has prepared them for them that love him. But God has revealed them to us by his Spirit. So because we have the Spirit of God, we have the perceptions of God. Remember that? And so he begins to help us to pray from this standpoint. That's when prayer becomes sweet. Because now it's the Holy Spirit that's praying through you. The Holy Spirit is praying through your body. Your body should shut up now. The reason why you're struggling with prayer is because it's your body that is praying. Because your mind is praying. But who is the actual executor of your prayer? The Holy Spirit. <coughs> Romans chapter 8. Romans 8, 26. Likewise, the Spirit also helps in our weaknesses. For we do not know what we should pray for as we ought. Stay in 26 and switch to the TPT. And in a similar way, 26. Oh, the Holy Spirit takes hold of us in our human frailty to empower us in our weakness. For example, at times we don't even know how to pray or know the best things to ask for. But the Holy Spirit rises up within us to super intercede on our behalf. Pleading with God to God with emotional sighs too deep for words. 27. God, the searcher of the heart, knows fully our longings, yet he also understands the desires of the Spirit. Why? Because the Spirit passionately pleads before God for us, His holy ones, in perfect harmony with God's plan and our destiny. So when the Holy Spirit is praying for you, you cannot have a prayer unanswered. Oh, Lord Jesus. 27. Now he who searches the heart, King James, New King James, knows what the mind of the Spirit is. Because he, the Spirit, makes intercessions for the saints. Yeah. The Spirit is qualified to pray for you because the Spirit of God knows the mind of God. Yes, sir. The Spirit of God knows, because the Spirit of God is inside you. That mind, that Spirit of God is inside you knows what you're going through. Does that make sense? Knows what he's, He knows your weaknesses. But as much as He knows your weaknesses, He knows the mind of the Father concerning you in place of and in instead of your weaknesses. So when He prays, He brings your desires and your weaknesses to align with God's will for you. So the Holy Spirit can never pray amiss if you let Him pray through you. If you let Him pray through you. He can never, ever pray amiss. 
You pray, he that prays in an unknown tongue, 1 Corinthians 14, speaketh mysteries to God, right? His mind is unfruitful, but he speaks mysteries. And what is mysteries? The mind of God that the human mind cannot fathom in the absence of the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God helps you on your inside. He helps you. I'm unpacking the ministry of helps of the Holy Spirit. He helps you in worship. Ephesians 5.19, Colossians 3.16, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly and in all wisdom, speaking to yourselves in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, making melody in your hearts to the Lord. What are spiritual songs? Songs of the? The answer is in the question. What are spiritual songs? Songs of the? Spirit. Which spirit? So, psalms, hymns, and songs that the Spirit of God sings through you. That's why a believer cannot, should not be without a new song every day. Mm-hmm. That's why we're not ashamed or afraid to open our mouth and just sing. It doesn't matter what it is. We sing the Spirit song and He takes over and does with it what He wills. Sometimes you, you wake up at night. Has it happened to anybody? You wake up at night and the Spirit of God prompts you to pray and you wake up to pray yes, sir. and you start to sing something. You are convinced you have heard that song before. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Sometimes you hear the angels singing it in heaven. You hear the saints gone home singing the song. You sing the song, you pray, you cry. You are fervent in your worship. You wake up in the morning, you are doing your best to remember that song. The song is gone. Yes, sir. <laughs> you try to record it. Yes, sir. What you try to record doesn't capture what you know you operated in when you sang it at night. Yes, sir. Yes, you, know what, you know what just came through you? A spiritual song. The Spirit of God taking charge of your faculties to sing to the Father what only He and the Father understand. Your physical understanding does not need it, so He keeps it away from you when it's done. What you need, what 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 will be beneficial for you, you will remember. What was just a mystery of the Godhead is gone. Spiritual song. He helps your worship. He helps you to understand the word, right? the spirit of truth. right? He will guide you into all truth, but he will take off me and give to you. And I'll end here. He helps you in being led at all times. Galatians 5.18. Galatians 5.18. In being led at all times. This is where you should listen to that teaching on, on Paul being led by the spirit. Find it, listen to it. Galatians 5.18, but if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. If you are led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. Romans 8.14, Romans 8.14, for as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. As many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. We cannot overemphasize the place of being led by the Spirit. See what happens in Matthew chapter 4 and verse 1. You see, I talked about this earlier in Luke 4.1. Let's see Matthew 4.1. Then Jesus was led up. Can you see that? Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness. See Mark 1 and verse 12 to be tempted. <coughs> Even in his temptations, he was led by the Spirit. Mark 1.12. It's what in life, isn't it, after all? It's what in life. Immediately the Spirit drove him. Into the wilderness. Matthew says he was led. Mark says he was driven by the Spirit. So literally, Jesus was so yielded that the Spirit could just drive him in any direction at any point in time. Does that make sense? He was driven by the Spirit 
into the wilderness. See Acts chapter 8 and 29. Acts chapter 8 and 29. Acts 8, 29. Then the Spirit said to Philip, when he met the Ethiopian eunuch, coming from Jerusalem, the Spirit said to Philip, go near and overtake this chariot. Oh, Holy Spirit, man, I wish I had plenty time more. Because you know I told you about how the Holy Spirit is the possibility of God, as in the case of Gabriel and Mary. How shall these things be? And Gabriel's response was, what the Holy Spirit shall overshadow you. Now the Spirit is saying to a man on foot, in Acts 8, 29, a man on foot, the Spirit of God says to Philip, go near and overtake his chariot. Somebody is being driven by a chariot that is pulled by at least two horses. And the Spirit of God leads Philip and says, go and overtake his chariot. Next verse, 30. Verse 30. So Philip ran to him. Can you imagine that? How did Philip run to him? By the power of the Spirit that led him. So listen to me carefully here. Look at me. In the leading of the Spirit is the release of the power of the Spirit. In your yielding to the leading is the unleashing of the possibility of God in your life. So if you want to enjoy limitless possibility, if you want to enjoy limitless power, what African Christians call raw power, just be yielded to his spirit. Just be yielded to his spirit. Acts chapter 10 and 19. I'm almost done. I don't want to, I don't want to push this any further. Acts 10, 19. While Peter thought about the vision, the spirit said to him, behold, three men are seeking you. 20. Arise therefore, go down and go with them. So you see the apostles, everything they were doing was as, as led by the spirit. They were not random. They were not, it, was, it, was, it was not their feelings. It was not how they felt. It was not what they thought. It was not their experience. It was the leading of the spirit. Constant leading of the Spirit. Finally, the Holy Spirit helps us in the manifestation of Jesus by quickening us to manifest spirituals. Galatians 5.22, right? You know that for the fruit of the Spirit are love, joy, peace. So the Christ-conscious believer, therefore, it follows. Stay on this verse. The Christ-conscious believer is full of love. Because it is a function of the ministry of the Holy Spirit. The Christ conscious believer cannot be mood swinging because the Christ conscious believer is full of joy. Why are you full of joy? Because you are full of the Holy Spirit. And joy is the fruit of the Holy Spirit. You don't receive the Holy Spirit and we teach you how to live a joyful life. Hello? Because the spirit of God is the spirit of love. He is the spirit of joy. The Christ conscious believer therefore is constantly joyful. Remember we talked about that? Eat. Give portions to those that have none. What's your news? Remember? What's your news? Part 1 and 2. For the joy of the Lord. Nehemiah 8.10 is your strength. The Christ conscious believer is always joyful. Because that joy is not a function of what is in your bank account. Yes sir. You have, you celebrate. You don't have, you celebrate. Paul says in Philippians 4, I have learned to be with, I have learned to be without. I can do all things. That was the context of Philippians 4.13. I can be broke and good. 
I can be rich financially and good. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And how does that strength come? By the Holy Spirit. Because he, if the spirit of him that raised up Christ from the dead dwells in your mortal bodies, that spirit that shall do what? Quicken! Give life to. So who is your strength? Holy Spirit. You see why you can't do without him? The Christ conscious believer is full of peace because he is the prince of peace. peace. And when he was leaving, he said, my peace, I leave with you. Go on in the same verse 22 of Galatians 5. The Christ conscious believer is able to suffer long. Now, I mean, I can't take this. 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 He said, greater work than you do, which you do. If you slap me, I will slap you back. No, the Christ conscious believer is long suffering. It's the Christ conscious believer is long suffering. Uh, uh, how many times, how many times they keep doing this? They keep getting me upset. They keep, de- they keep, you're not, you're a baby. If what somebody says or does to you is powerful enough to flip you around, then you are still being tossed around. You're not yet rooted and grounded in love. Ephesians 3. Because when you're rooted and grounded in love, it doesn't matter what they say. Somebody, imagine that you are in, you, you, you're in the gathering of church, you're in word and life or you're in the more sessions, or you're in your house, or you're at work, and then somebody says something to you, you get offended. Your entire day spoils. The other day I was driving home, and I had right of way. I had the girls in the car, and then I turned, and somebody screamed, look at you, and you're driving pilot. Uh, go and return your license. <laughs> so uh, for somebody, that's enough to spoil your day. Your whole day will switch because somebody insulted you. You forget a curse without cause cannot alight. You, you, you forget no man can curse a man whom God has blessed. And God did not bless you with, with inanimate objects. He blessed you with himself. Mm. He blessed you with his son. Yes, you have the yes, superior yes. blessing. Yes. And then you're aware. They insulted me. They cursed me. They said this. They declared you, you, the blessing that you, you can only be worried if you feel like the curse supersedes the blessing. And so that God can assure you that you are on top and never beneath. He blessed you with himself freely. Oh, look at you. Big head. It's painful, but it's not as big as the blessing. I'm sat with Christ in heavenly places, far above principalities and powers. Oh, you only got my big head. You didn't notice the big nose. You didn't notice the fat arms in spite of whom he sat me as royalty. Deal with it. That's the Christ conscious believer. The Christ conscious believer operates in kindness and goodness because that's a trait of Jesus. He went about doing good. We are a people, Titus says, zealous for good works. Ephesians 2, again, verse 10, created in Christ Jesus for good works that he preordained that we should walk in them. Faithfulness is a hallmark of a Christ-conscious believer. Gentleness as well. And then self-control as a fruit of the Spirit. Let me end with this. In everything I've said about the ministry of the Holy Spirit, everything I've shown you all through Scripture, you will not see one place where the Holy Spirit's ministry Included killing your enemies. (laughs) You will not see one place. 
of all the things the Spirit of God is, he cannot be the revelation of Jesus and be the killer of the people Jesus died for. He cannot be highlighting salvation and bringing destruction. So, Mbok, check what spirit you have been attributing holiness to. Because the Holy Spirit is a pure spirit. He reveals the true nature of God in Christ, inside the believer. God did not send his son to the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him shall be saved. The Holy Spirit is not killing anybody. The Holy Ghost is not killing anybody. The Holy Spirit is not destroying anybody. A lot of native doctors have killed people for you and given the credit to the Holy Spirit. A lot of native doctors are dressed in suit and tie, carrying a big Bible with a big altar that has flowers and gold on it and have used the Holy Ghost to kill your enemies and use their powers, familiar spirits to kill your enemies and attribute it to the Holy Ghost. Because when they said, Holy Ghost, fire! Somebody's house caught fire and the person and his family died. And that's how God has removed the people that are standing against your destiny. If the God you serve, watch me carefully, I'm done. If the God you serve is not powerful enough to sort out your matter without killing somebody, change God. Mm-hmm. Yes, sir. Change God, change God. If the God you serve cannot promote you at work until he kills the person that is sitting on your promotion. Your God is too weak. Your God is just a hired assassin. If your God cannot deal with your matter without killing somebody, it means that that your God is admitting that that person he has to kill is a threat to him if he doesn't take the person out of the picture. Does that make sense? Somebody only takes somebody to somebody and say, kill this person, when they feel like that person is a threat to them. So you cry to God and say, God, deliver me from my enemies. And God looks and says, Kai, this your enemy is powerful. If I don't kill your enemy, your enemy will spoil my my, my market. So let me kill your enemy for you. That's not the God of the scriptures. That's not the nature of God. Ah, God is powerful enough. He's covered you. He's covered you. He's your help. He's your intercessor. He's your guide. He's your protector. He's your security. And he doesn't need to kill anybody to do it. Mm-hmm. He doesn't need to. The Holy Spirit ministry does not include stealing, killing, and destroying. Then what makes him different from the enemy, from the thief? What makes him different from the teachers, from the teachers of the law? That, that champion a ministry of death and a ministry of condemnation. But I am come that they might have what? Life and have it abundantly. The the letter killeth, but the spirit gives life. Zoe. He cannot be the spirit of life and is bringing death. He cannot be the spirit of life and is bringing death. The Christ conscious believer is mindful of and subject to the ministry of the Holy Spirit. As we go tonight, let it be your resolve to begin to awaken yourself up to the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Talk to him, consult him, submit to him. He's always speaking. He's a gentle spirit. He's always speaking. He will not strive with you. He will not force himself on you. But he's always there every step of the way. This concludes this message. 
Thank you for listening and we hope it has been a blessing to you. For inquiries and further information, please send us an email to info at the or visit our social media platforms.